are so many different ideas about good health. How do you separate the myths from the facts? Welcome to Healthy View Radio with your trio of co-hosts, Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighaus. Today, you'll learn what it takes to be healthy and happy within a stressful world from three experts walking their talk. Here is Lisa, Andrea, and Michelle. Hey, welcome to Healthy View Radio, everybody. My name is Michelle Fenikaus, and I'm here with my lovely co-hosts, Andrea Beeman and Lisa Lutan. Now, I don't know if the holiday craziness has been giving you guys a headache, but today our topic is migraines, and nobody wants a migraine over the holidays or any time. So if you are someone who suffers with migraines, you know that it's not always so easy to solve this problem. You're going to want to keep listening to learn about a different approach to your pain. Before we dive in, though, I want to thank our sponsor for Sigmatic. I've been drinking their decaf mushroom coffee all week, and it is good. Like Everyone seems, I say that in a surprised way, because everyone seems to think it's a mug full of mushrooms, and it's going to taste like a mug full of mushrooms. It's not. It's real coffee with some extracts added in for good health. So if you're interested in that, you can head over to foursigmatic.com slash HVR to try it out and save 15%. So uh, back to the migraine topic. What about you girls? Do you have any experiences? Did you, did you ever get migraines? So I have a crazy weird thing because I don't get migraine headaches, but as a teenager, I had abdominal migraines. I was wanting to talk about that. Oh, An yeah. abdominal migraine. Yes. The only way I discovered it was because in my 30s, I started having ocular migraines, which who the hell knows what that is, but it's figuring out what that was. I went back and was able to figure out the abdominal migraines, crazy stuff. That's like you start, what, throwing up and having all the stomach pain? Worse than childbirth. I swear, I used to get these crazy intense stomach aches. They would rush me to the hospital thinking I had appendicitis. I would start vomiting for a day and a half. And then it would go away and they would say, oh, you know, it's a rare condition of ovulation when like (laughs) blood, a drop of blood gets into the cavity. And I'm like, no, it's not. And I had to track my period in ovulation for like 30 years and it was nothing to do with it. But it was awful and it lasted about two years every six or eight weeks. And the truth is I was one of those people who on the outside, everything was always great. And I was internalizing everything. No surprise. I had to vomit it all up. But yeah, horrible, <laughs> horrible pain. Wow. That's so interesting. My girlfriend from college is four girls. God bless her, Megan. She's got four girls and one of them gets those abdominal migraines. And I've, I haven't heard much about it before. That brings a whole new level to the gut mind, <laughs> gut mind yeah. thing, right? Holy crap. So I have a, a fun migraine story. Um, not a that migraines fun are fun. Migraine yeah, of course. Story. When I was studying herbalism uh, throughout the course, you know, like once you become an herbalist, you have to do clinic, right? So you would meet with people who would have these problems and you'd have to try and solve it in like a, you know, an hour. <laughs> so, so I get this intake form of this guy and he's suffering from migraines for uh, five years, two to three times per week, migraine headaches every week for five years, right? Oh so, uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I know what to do with this. I, you know, from what I studied in Chinese medicine and and meridians, I said it's totally connected to his liver, which would be appropriate 
for Lisa as well, because when she would get her period, right, because the liver is responsible for the blood and all that stuff. So, uh, so this guy comes in and sits down in the chair really hard, boom, sits down like this, crosses his legs, crosses his arms like this, and he goes, okay, what do I need to take? <laughs> and I go, oh, okay. <laughs> I go, well, well, let's start with some basics. I said, you know, tell me about your diet. And he goes, my diet's fine. My wife cooks for me. I eat three meals a day. I'm fine. I eat breakfast. I eat lunch. I eat dinner. Goes like this again. And I'm like, okay. I said, all right, well, how about, how about your, um, do you get any time to relax? Is there any relaxation that happens in your life? And he goes, who has time to relax? <laughs> I, I have to go to the synagogue. I got to teach a class. And then I go to work. And then I come home to the family. I don't have time to relax. I got no time to relax. Could you just tell me the herb that I got to take to take care of these migraines? <laughs> and I go, well, it's really not that simple. I said, first of all, you're, you're very tense and tight. Do you know that you're tense? I'm not tense. I'm not tight. This is just the way I am. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this is a real person. I thought it was like a cartoon character that came because he had everything that you could possibly do to create a migraine headache, internal stress, squeezing the body, squeezing the mind, doing everything like um, no relaxation at all. Like, you know, stress is a huge trigger. And like I was saying earlier, the... um. In TCM and Chinese medicine, when the liver gets tight, uh, then you're you're gonna have you're gonna have trouble with migraines, right? So you know there was literally nothing I could give this guy to like he's looking for the one thing, which is the mentality that is you know pervasive in our society today. Give me the one thing that's gonna cure that everything. He needed to relax. He needed to calm down. He needed vacation, <laughs> right? I, that, I, that no herb is going to give him what he needs. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So at the end of the session, I'm like, okay, well, you can uh, take some lemon balm tea to help you relax a little bit and, you know, try some, uh, I think I told him blue vervain because his neck, he said his neck was so tight. Um, but um, uh, it was a very funny migraine story. Funny for me looking at the situation of who gets the migraines or who got the migraine. Um, so that's my little, my little story. Did you get to follow up with him? Oh, no, I never saw him again. <laughs> there was no way he was coming back. He didn't have time. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got no time for this. Just give me the thing that I need to get to the whole thing done. So we I don't really to- know if he ever was migraine free. We need to know. If he's listening out there, please call in and let us know. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear his his side of the how that whole transaction yeah. went. You know, Either it's like uh, I'm sitting across from this hippie. This hippie was telling me to relax and to drink some tea. I got a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I just want to clarify something about those abdominal migraines. They didn't know back then that that's what it was. It wasn't until my 30s that I was able to hear about that and then go look back and say that's what really had happened. They just made up a little million other reasons for what might be happening to me. And so it goes back to this investigative, like what's really going on in my body kind of stuff. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, I had a my I got a migraine story to share. This one threw me for a loop, you guys. And I know often we think about the stress and like that guy you just described, Andrea, that sounds like the kind of person <laughs> Or I would understand that he's having a migraine. But um, what happened to me was when my son's six years old now, or he's almost seven, gosh. But uh, when he was a baby, both my babies were babies, I exclusively breastfed and uh, especially exclusively breastfed my first because he refused to take a bottle. So like 
that was me every meal. And when he was 12 months old, of course, he was starting to eat more solid foods. Thank the Lord, because I was getting sick and tired of that business. And uh, he was eating a lot of Italian sausage. I was just thinking at that age, that boy loved Italian sausage. But I thought, okay, he's 12 months old. I'm going to let him self-wean. We'll just see how this plays out. Well, by 18 months old, mama's now thinking, uh-uh. <laughs> we got we to gotta cut this you know, off at some point. You know, I'm getting real sick <laughs> and tired of this. It's been a long year and a half. So he was down to nursing two times a day. And I noticed if I wasn't around, he was with my husband. He was fine. He didn't have to nurse. He was 18 months old. He was fine. So, and he would not be emotionally upset or anything. So to kind of hurry things along, I wanted to do something that I had not done in a year and a half, longer than a year and a half because of pregnancy. I wanted to go somewhere without my baby. And I had a friend up in Boston who was having a big birthday party. And we like, you know, those trolleys that do the tours around town rented one of those (laughs) to do, you know, like a big bar crawl and everyone's going to be on the trolley and we were going to be those people. (laughs) So I'm like, I am going. And I left the husband home with the baby and I flew up to Boston, got all dolled up for the first time. And I don't even know how long. And it was so much fun. And afterwards we were doing the after party thing at my friend Tommy's house. And I was like, Hmm, is that a hangover already? Am I already getting a hangover? I didn't even drink that much. Why does my head hurt so bad? The whole way home on the plane, you know, driving back, coming back from Reagan Airport to our house, I'm like, this is the worst. I'm getting like that aura thing. I'm seeing this aura I've never seen before. I feel nauseous. And I looked it up and I'm like Googling in this state of mind and it's saying, yes, weaning too quickly can lead to migraines, which kind of makes sense. Like you were saying, Andrea, because your liver metabolizes estrogen. So any big changes in your hormones could really throw you for a loop. So I did not expect that. I tell every mom I know you got to be careful when you wean because that was not a good side effect. Wow. So you just can't plop them off a nipple and tell them to go to food. You got to just do it slow. That was my experience. And so I thought it would kind of go from two times a day to one time a day to no times a day. And it actually went two to one to maybe every other day, every third day. It was a lot slower than I ever anticipated. Wow. So you got to like start weaning them at like two months old to get them (laughs) off the nipple by three, right? (laughs) Unless you're like me who made like that much milk. Like, and I was like, please, please take every little bit. There was nothing left. I was so depleted back then. Oh my God. Yeah. So I guess it's different. I did not have that, but I had it later from other stuff. So no one is spared. (laughs) Yes. It's a funny thing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more from our guests about this topic because the migraines are, it's sort of like sleep problems. You know, there's no like one cause. It's hard to kind of pin down what the cause might be for some folks. So um, after the break, we're going to bring on our guest, Dr. David Dodick. He's an MD, an FRCP, FACP. This man has like an alphabet soup of initials after his name. I don't know what any of them mean. He's the chair of the American Migraine Foundation, president of the International Headache Society, Does anyone really want to be a member of that? (laughs) (laughs) Past president of the American Headache Society and professor of neurology and medical director of the headache program and concussion program at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona. So basically, he is like the king of headaches, the jack of all migraines, and we're going to be speaking with him. 
in just a little bit. Before we do that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Zoller. I've been giving my kids Zoller's chewable D3 tablets all season so far. And I got to say, like, either we've been getting really lucky or the stuff is working because we have not, fingers crossed, we haven't had to go to the doctor even once. And that's unusual for this time. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Zoller. And all of their D3 products can be found at ZollerD3.com. And you can use code HVRZD335. We'll put this in the show notes to save 35%. All righty, don't go anywhere. We'll be back after the break helping you and your loved ones overcome migraine madness. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you sick of striving for a vision of healthy that just doesn't exist? Join the club. Expert health coaches Andrea Beeman, Michelle Fenighouse, and Lisa Lutan are more than just voices on the radio. They're here to help you make real change in real life. Join their Facebook community, HealthyViewRadio.com, to ask questions, get behind the scenes, and receive early access to special offers and events. Again, you can connect at HealthyViewRadio.com. Remember to subscribe to Healthy View Radio on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighouse with Healthy View Radio. Do you have a question or comment for the show? Please call us right now at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email from our Voice America radio page. You'll find connections to reach any of the hosts there. Now, back to Healthy View Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Healthy View Radio. This is the place where the more frequently you listen to us, the less headaches you will have. Today, we're talking about migraines. But before we introduce you to our migraine expert, I've got to do a little housekeeping and thank our awesome sponsors. So if you suffer from bloating, gas, and tummy troubles like our very own Lisa Lutan, (laughs) check out Achantil. Go to lovemytummy.com forward slash HVR to get some discounts and some relief. And for those of you seeking both eco-conscious hair products and great styling products rolled into one, try Giovanni Cosmetics. You can grab your $2 coupon at GiovanniCosmetics.com forward slash HVR. And those links will be available in our show notes at HealthyViewRadio.com. Okay. So today, to help us shed light onto the topic of migraines, we have Dr. David Dodik, who is president of the International Headache Society. He's also the director of the Division of Headache Medicine at the Mayo Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona. Hello, Doc. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really, uh, you know, we have a couple of um, uh, our own Lisa used to have uh, these wonderful migraines that were called abdominal migraines. We'd like you to get to that later. But first, we like to ask our guests uh, a couple of questions to help our uh, viewers and our listeners get to know you a little better on a human level. So the first question is, uh, what did you have for breakfast today? (laughs) I had three gluten-free pancakes. Just three? Just three with some raspberries. Oh, very nice. Three pancakes. I hope they... And a cup of coffee. Okay. (laughs) And then what is the number one thing that you do every day that has the greatest impact on your health? I run. Oh. Uh, Every single day? day. Not every single day, but, you know, five days a week I try uh, try to run. And on the other two days I think about running. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. That's a great way to move energy around the body. It is. It is. As long as you're not I running away from something. No, 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 no. I'm running <laughs> on the treadmill, so I don't run. A- I'm not running away. <laughs> He's running towards. Okay, and then the final question uh, for personal question is, uh, what is your guilty pleasure, if you have one? Oh, boy. Um, I heard that gulp. I heard it. Oh, I think that was me. <laughs> probably, probably chocolate. Chocolate. I, I, you know I how like, many people like, have that? Yeah, Go I ahead. like to pretend I don't eat chocolate or I don't like chocolate or I'm not susceptible or vulnerable to it, but uh, I love it. <clears throat> That's so funny. Join the crowd. I think everyone that we ask about the guilty pleasure, it was like nine out of ten chocolate, and then one person said bacon. So I, I th- <laughs> yeah, I think you're right in there. Um, okay, yeah. so let's hop to it. Um, first, I'm I'm curious, how did you get into uh, migraines as a specialty? That's a good question. You know, even as a a resident, <clears throat> as a doctor who was training to become a neurologist, um, I was all the way to my senior year and within a year of graduating, and I had no intentions on picking migraine as a specialty until I spent a month with. Uh, a specialist and was just inspired by the way he was able even back then to help people and the impact that he's had on those patients and on their families was uh, just tremendous. And I came to understand how many people suffer and how few specialists there were and how few people were going into that specialty. So I saw an opportunity to make a big difference for a lot of people who were suffering in silence or didn't have the, uh, couldn't access the help that they needed. Well, it sounds great, Doc. It sounds like you really are um, connected to healing and you're in the right profession. Uh, Can you explain to our listeners what's the difference between a migraine and a regular typical headache? Well, a headache is just a symptom of more than 300 different causes. I mean, you can have an infection and have a headache, a fever and have a headache. You drank too much alcohol, you have a headache. But migraine is is a genetic disorder. It's an inherited disorder. There are over 40 genes now that have been associated with migraine, and it leads to a susceptibility where you have recurrent attacks of migraine. So it's an inherited disorder, and it's more than just headache, of course. Headache is just one symptom. And as you talked about just a little earlier, um, one of your colleagues had abdominal migraine. So headache may not even be a symptom of migraine, but it is sort of, it's, migraines become synonymous with a bad headache. But People often have a number of different 
uh, symptoms in addition to the headache, uh, including, you know, exquisite sensitivity to sound and light and, and odors and uh, neck pain and uh, sensitivity of their scalp and dizziness and trouble thinking and concentrating and, uh, you know, diarrhea, abdominal pain. So it's a whole, the whole body is wrapped up in a migraine attack usually. Yeah, it's interesting. I used to have clients that um, there was always something that would trigger the migraine. Like it was always living in their system and then something would trigger it. And for a lot of people, it was food. Can you talk to us about how food impacts migraines? Well, you know, there's so many things that can trigger migraine. But, you know, migraine, as I said, it's an inherited disorder and it's really the underlying biology or mechanism of migraine is due to excitable networks in the brain. So you can imagine that these networks can become excitable spontaneously or they can be triggered. Uh, they become activated and, and food <clears throat> and certain beverages are um, thought to be among so, some of the more common triggers. About a third of people with migraine will self-identify that certain foods or certain beverages will trigger their migraines consistently. Um, but actually when you interrogate people in a, in a systematic way and you get them to keep a food diary, you find out that maybe it's not as common as people realize, but certainly there are foods and, and beverages that <clears throat> many people will identify trigger their migraine attacks, including especially alcohol. And it's not just the sort of classic red wine, but it could be any type of spirit, uh, beer, champagne, or, or wine. Uh, fermented foods like Soy, sauerkraut, um, cured meats like bacon, salami, hot dogs, uh, and uh, vinegar-containing foods like you know mayonnaise, olives, pickles, and things like that. I think two of the other things that um, have actually shown in a very rigorous way to trigger migraine are caffeine withdrawal. Not so much caffeine per se, but the withdrawal from the caffeine. Monosodium glutamate was a preservative in a lot of different foods. So um, has been shown to be a fairly consistent trigger for migraine. So everything we eat, you know, the saying we are what we eat, a lot of the things that we eat affect <clears throat> these networks in the brain because they affect the release of transmitters in the brain and they affect the receptors on cells in the brain. And so it's not surprising that if you inherited a condition known as migraine that's due to hyper-excitable networks in the brain and things that you eat can actually trigger those networks. It's not surprising that some people will identify certain foods or beverages that will trigger their attacks. I have a two-part question. Number one, I've read many things relating gluten to migraines. And also, what about barometric pressure change? Is there any truth to that as being something that can cause migraines? Yeah, so um, regarding barometric pressure change, there's actually been some experiments where in animals, where they're recording from a, a center in the brain that gives rise to head pain that we think is very important in the generation of a migraine attack. And when you just uh, alter the barometric pressure in a very controlled way in a chamber, you can actually activate cells in that migraine generator, if you will. And a lot of patients will... Uh, that change, any sort of minimal change in barometric pressure will trigger their attacks. I see it all the time where I live in Phoenix because in the summertime we have monsoons and there are quite dramatic fluctuations in barometric pressure, even in the desert. And it's, it's very common for patients to complain that their 
uh, migraine attacks are more frequent and more severe uh, and last longer during that period of time. So, yeah, I do think barometric pressure changes can trigger migraine. Um, over 70% of patients will report that, and that many patients can't be wrong. So I do think there's something there. We don't yet know how those fluctuations their barometric pressure trigger an attack, uh, but certainly uh, many, many of us believe that they do. <clears throat> I'm sorry, your, your question before that was... The other question was the relation to gluten and migraines. Mm-hmm. So there does appear to be a relationship between patients who have celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease where they're very sensitive to gluten, uh, and migraine. Migraine appears to be more common, and when you eliminate gluten in those individuals, you will sometimes see a reduction in migraine frequency. There are, there's another population of people who have uh, gluten sensitivity, but not celiac disease per se. Um, and there's some suggestion that when you eliminate or minimize the amount of gluten in the diet, that some people may benefit. Uh, I wouldn't say that eliminating gluten for all migraine sufferers is going to reduce the frequency of their attacks. Uh, but there are people who have either celiac disease or gluten sensitivity where eliminating gluten may, may uh, relieve or may reduce the frequency of attacks. Um, I've had clients that tell me that when they get a, a migraine, sometimes they'll have a cup of coffee and it, it can help abate, you know, get rid of the, the migraine before it comes on. Have, have, are there any ways or what can people do to alleviate a migraine at the onset? Yeah, so caffeine, as you probably know, is included in a number of different treatments that are available over the counter. Uh, they're often combined with uh, analgesics like acetaminophen or aspirin because they seem to amplify the, the pain relief uh, that people get when they take a, an analgesic or a pain medication. So a caffeine, it's not surprising, and I've had many patients say that as well, that they'll take a cup of coffee or a caffeinated beverage, and that will help. Um, but the, the frequent use of caffeine and caffeine withdrawal uh, can, can lead to an increased frequency of migraine or even just headache in people who don't even experience migraine. I've experienced that myself where I went a period of time without, without caffeine and I suffered the, from these caffeine withdrawal headaches. So that can certainly happen. But caffeine <clears throat> is well known to be, we call it an analgesic adjuvant or uh, something that you take with a pain reliever that actually amplifies its response and, and relieves pain. So that's, that's, that's common. And then what about chocolate? So <clears throat> chocolate certainly can be a trigger for certain individuals. Um, and it's probably because of the, some of the ingredients that, that are contained within chocolate. I, I should say though, that a lot of times I, I tell you that the field right now of migraine because of the place where migraine begins in an area of the brain we think called the hypothalamus, which is this little region in the center of the brain. It's a very complex structure in the brain, but one of the things that that part of the brain is responsible for is hunger um, and cravings. And so it, it seems that in some people, they think they're having triggers, but actually they're craving something. They then eat that or drink that something, and then they get an attack. But that craving, uh, they don't recognize it as a craving necessarily, but they then associate the eating or the drinking of that substance or beverage with as a trigger. So as an example, some people believe that 
people start to crave chocolate as a sort of premonitory uh, symptom prior to the onset of their headache, they eat that piece of chocolate or whatever that happens to, whatever food they happen to be craving, and then they get the headache. And so they associate that eating that, you know, chocolate as the trigger. That's not to say that all foods are craved by people and that they're not triggers, but I'm just, I'm I'm tossing that out there because that's sort of a a movement in the field uh, based on some of the things that we're finding um, or based on some of the regions that generate a migraine attack. But yes, chocolate can be a trigger. Citrus fruits, nuts, ice cream, onions, dairy products are sort of classically, if you, if you Google migraine food triggers, you'll often see these things come up. And yes, in some people, they may be triggers, but you know, triggers are difficult to identify because, um, you know, what constitutes a trigger? Is a trigger something that triggers an attack 100% of the time, 75% of the time, 50% of the time? So it's, that's difficult. The other thing is that sometimes something you eat contains multiple different ingredients. So it's hard to dissect out the one ingredient that may be triggering it. Another problem is that something you eat may trigger an attack, but it may not do so for a day or two. Um, so you, you look back and you think, well, what did I eat this morning or what did I eat today? And it may not be something you ate today. It may be, might be something you ate a day ago uh, or two days ago that's actually triggering your attack now. And I think the one other thing that's important to point out is that let's say chocolate is a trigger for you. It, most triggers don't trigger an attack every single time you, you eat it or you drink it. And the reason for that, I think, is everybody has a certain, every person with migraine has a threshold. So, you know, for women, for example, who suffer from migraine a lot more commonly than men, if you happen to be um, menstruating and you happen to be sleep deprived and you happen to be undergoing a lot of stress, um, then if you eat that certain food or drink that certain beverage that is sometimes a trigger for you, it's much more likely to trigger an attack at that particular time so-called stackable triggers, where there are a lot of things happening at a certain point in time that make you uniquely vulnerable at that time to a certain dietary food or a certain beverage, if you see what I mean. So uh, that's a long-winded answer to your question about chocolate. But yes, for some people, chocolate may be a trigger, but I think it's the minority of people. And even in those people in whom it's a trigger, I don't think it consistently triggers. So my message to patients is that when you're when you feel you're vulnerable, like if you had two glasses of wine last night, you didn't sleep very well, and you're all Christmas shopping and you're under stress or whatever, maybe that's not the right time to be eating chocolate. Mm, that makes sense. That makes. I like this idea of stackable triggers. And we've been talking a lot about food, but uh, what, what about stress? Can you say more about stress as one of these stackable triggers? Now, stress is without question a trigger. It in in diary studies and in population-based studies, it seems to be the, probably the most common trigger. There are certain physiological events that occur in the brain uh, when someone's under stress. <clears throat> and, and some of those physiological events uh, amplify the perception of pain signals. So in someone who's susceptible to migraine, yes, stress can actually uh, trigger an attack. It's not the cause. And I like to distinguish between cause and triggers uh, for patients because, unfortunately, migraine has been stigmatized as, 
as a problem that people just are stressed out and they just need to get a grip of themselves, right? They just need to relax and settle down. That's not that simple, of course, because, you know, I find as someone who's, as a physician and, uh, you know, I'm under stress every single day, but I never get migraine. Um, so, you know, for people who have inherited that susceptibility to having something like migraine, then yes, stress uh, can trigger it. But, you know, I tell my patients, stress can also trigger increased acid secretion in your stomach. It can constrict your airways. So if you have asthma or you have ulcer, it can make those things worse or it can trigger them. It can trigger a rise in your blood pressure. So if you're hypertensive, stress is not good because it can raise your blood pressure. So there's a lot of different physiological responses to stress and a lot of diseases that can be triggered or exacerbated by stress, but it's not the cause. Nevertheless, um, if you have migraine, then it would behoove you, uh, and we often do this with patients, to teach them certain relaxation techniques. Uh, we may use something called biofeedback, uh, which is a technique to help people um, relax and sort of get control over those physiological responses that they normally don't exert voluntary control over, like their breathing and their heart rate and their blood pressure, to make them less prone to developing migraine attacks and or to you know, attenuate or reduce the severity of attack when they're in the throes of one. So I'm wondering, you know, I suffered from these abdominal migraines for a couple of years in my teens Mm -hmm. and nothing. And then ocular migraine for a couple of years in my thirties, which was 20 years ago and nothing other than those times. Could it be a hormonal thing going on? Like it just seems so odd that certainly there's been stress, certainly there's been other things in my life at other times, and I'm so curious why. And I, and I do know from clients as well that other people have had these odd periods of time where these things are But how can they just come and go like that if we're genetically predisposed? Well, you know, so certain genetic disorders are complex we call complex polygenetic disorders as opposed to monogenetic inherited disorders. So the difference between a monogenetic inherited disease is that if you have inherited the gene, you will inherit that disease. Um, But there's something else called penetrance. So you may inherit a susceptibility to a disorder, um, but the genes that I've inherited that make me susceptible to migraine may be different than the genes you've inherited that make you susceptible to migraine. And the penetrance is much more, is much greater in me than it is in you. In other words, I'm going to express that disease in a very robust way. I'm going to have attacks every single day of the year, every single year. And I see lots of patients like that who have migraine attacks every single day. And then there are other individuals who um, may experience some attacks throughout the year, and then it goes away for years. And then it might come back, or it might not come back. So the expression of certain polygenetic diseases like diabetes and asthma and migraine um, is different. There's a spectrum of disease. So there are people one end of the spectrum who may have a few attacks in their lifetime, and then there are other people who may express it every single day. Um, and I think that's similar to a lot of other diseases that we treat that are on this spectrum, if you will. Your question about whether this could be hormone-related, I think that's the reason why 80% of the patients I see are women, and it's three times more common in women. It's because of that fluctuation in estrogen that occurs throughout a woman's reproductive life cycle. So during, you know, in childhood, 
prevalence of migraine in boys and girls is the same. But when puberty strikes and, and young, young girls start to menstruate, then we start to see this fluctuation in estrogen. And the brain doesn't like fluctuation, right? They like a steady state. Um, and so this, these rapid swings of estrogen that occur throughout a, a woman's cycle, uh, when they become pregnant, uh, when they go into menopause, those dramatic changes in levels of estrogen, even the fact that there are estrogen receptors all over the cells in the brain, the brain responds to those changes. And if you have inherited a condition that makes those, those brain networks excitable, then those changes in estrogen levels can activate those networks and cause more attacks. Hey, Doc, we, uh, we got to cut you off here because we got to go to a break. But um, I want to let people know where they can find you. Can you give me a quickie on where they can find you and get some more information about this? Well, they can go to the AmericanMigraineFoundation.org um, or they can find me uh, at the Mayo Clinic. Well, thanks so much, and uh, I'm sure you've saved a lot of people a lot of pain. So thanks for joining us today. We have to take a very short break, and when we come back, we'll be speaking with our next guest, Dr. Salma Sridharan. I think I said that right. She is a homeopathic doctor from India and has a master's in physiology and neurobiology from the University of Connecticut. She is an advanced practitioner of homeopathy, and she is passionate about the work that she's doing in the world. So hang on, and we'll be right back with Dr. Salma. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you sick of striving for a vision of healthy that just doesn't exist? Join the club. Expert health coaches Andrea Beeman, Michelle Fenighouse, and Lisa Lutan are more than just voices on the radio. They're here to help you make real change in real life. Join their Facebook community, HealthyViewRadio.com, to ask questions, get behind the scenes, and receive early access to special offers and events. Again, you can connect at HealthyViewRadio.com. Remember to subscribe to Healthy View Radio on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighouse with Healthy View Radio. Do you have a question or comment for the show? Please call us right now at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email from our Voice America radio page. You'll find connections to reach any of the hosts there. Now, back to Healthy View Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Lisa Lutan and my great co-hosts, Andrew Beeman and Michelle Fenikas and I have been talking about migraines with Dr. David 
dodec. Now, as you heard, I, I used to suffer from migraines and I am so thrilled to report I haven't had one in many, 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 many years. Now, I wish I could say the same thing about bloating because every now and then I still suffer from bloating and I'm hoping one day I'm going to look back and go, oh my God, I remember way back when when I used to get bloated. But thank God I have found something to really help me and it is Atron Teal. And I love this stuff. So if you're a bloater like me, you know, when your stomach goes, like try this, it's awesome. I just take a couple a bed every night and it's really totally helping my SIBO. So if you would like to get a little discount on that, just go to www.lovemytummy.com slash HVR, like LBV Radio, and they're going to give you a 10% discount. Now, I'm very excited to bring on our next guest, Dr. Salmia Sridharan. And I forgive me if that wasn't correct, but I'm trying really hard to get it right. And Dr. as Andrew already mentioned, Dr. Sridharan is a qualified doctor with a degree in Bachelor in Homeopathic Medicine and Surgery from India and a master's in physiology and neuro, neurobiology from the University of Connecticut. She's an advanced practitioner of homeopathy and is very passionate about her work. Having watched, she's been constantly amazed by the healing power and is happy to see her patients fully recover. Dr. Sridharan practices what she preaches and has not taken antibiotics or painkillers even after her cesarean sections. What? Yeah, we've got to hear more <laughs> of this. So, Dr. Sridharan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So great hearing, having you here. And I'm just curious, before we delve into more about you, any thoughts about migraines before we leave that behind? Um, migraines, as uh, you know, the previous doctor was talking about, there is definitely you know, some patients who actually suffer from them more often than not. That was really interesting, what he was touching on regarding the genetics and so on and so forth. And we do treat them naturally uh, with homeopathy as well. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it is definitely a predisposition that contributes to some people suffering more so than others. So I think, uh, you know, what he touched on was really very interesting. So can you explain to our listeners exactly what homeopathy is? Um, Hippocrates, who is considered the father of um, medicine, um, postulated two principles or more than two principles to actually treat people. One was contraria, contraria was curanter which is what Western medicine is based on, which is when there is constipation, for example, you treat them with laxatives, which actually causes more peristalsis and more diarrhea-like symptoms that actually alleviates constipation. But uh, the second one was called a similia similibus curanter, which means that likes cure likes or similars cure similars. And so this principle was taken up by, uh, at that time, a Western medical practitioner, Dr. Samuel Hanneman, and he actually said there should be a better way of doing this, especially at those times, conventional medicine was um, not very gentle in the sense that they were using leeches and they were actually doing bloodletting and so on and so forth to treat people. So he said, okay, there should be a better way than this, a gentler way where, you know, even children can take medicines without having too much of a struggle. And that is how he actually came up with this uh, principle. So he said, okay, Hippocrates already suggested this. 
let me try and see if I can actually work with this principle and find a new system of medicine with which I could actually cure people. And so that is how homeopathy came about. So it is about curing people with similar things. So I can give you an example for that, um, which is like, let's say that um, there is onions. When you cut onions because of the sulfur in it, um, we have running nose and uh, watering eyes. And this principle, what we apply in allergies, you know, if you think about allergic symptoms, most people actually have runny nose and watery eyes and sometimes burning in the eyes, redness in the eyes, and even burning from the nose. And it's like a constant profuse uh, discharge from the nose, which is just like water. And for this, we use allium sepa, homeopathic preparation of onion, and this cures the problem. Fascinating. Okay, so can you give a couple more examples of what someone else might, what someone might come in for and how you would treat them? Sure. Um, let me actually go back to the first example of what the founder of homeopathy actually did. Um, chinkona bark, which is um, something that we use in homeopathy today. The chinkona bark, when they just kind of make it into a tincture and give it to a person, the person would produce symptoms just like malaria the malarial fever, all of the symptoms of malaria. So what uh, Dr. Hahnemann did was he actually took this tincture and he diluted and also succulent. This is the principle where the latent force of the medicine. So when we consider the atoms in each and every single component or material, there is electrons that are surrounding the atoms. And these electrons are what actually holds the energy of that particular atom. So during this uh, successive principle, what it does is it actually gives out those electrons into the medium that it is being succussed with, which is most of the time alcohol or water in case of homeopathy. And so when it actually gets into that, this becomes more the energy of the atom or of the material that we take, in this case, chinkona. And he kind of diluted it and succussed and used this same thing and tried to give it to people who have malaria. And this cured malaria. That's and so malaria, for malaria, this was actually a pretty commonly used uh, medicine um, in the 1800s and 90, early 1900s because it actually in epidemics, this was so, so useful and it was so gentle in cure as well. So let's take it to something today. Let's say somebody comes in with a pulled muscle or something like that. How could we use homeopathy in, for something like that? Pull what? A pulled muscle. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. A pulled muscle, let's say they get an injury or something like that. Would okay. you use homeopathy? homeopathy? Um, so in homeopathy, calendula is an herb, um, a flower actually, that is used in many of these wounds and uh, healing of those. Um, if I have to go back to my um, cesarean section and how I didn't use any antibiotics or painkillers, I'll just touch on that and what I did. So maybe it'll be useful for somebody else. So okay. antibiotics are typically given at the time of any surgery as a preventative to prevent infections. But homeopathy, what it does is it actually helps strengthen the immune system so that your body doesn't get infected. So it is based on the principle of terrain therapy rather than germ therapy. Um, germ theory, sorry, terrain th theory rather than germ theory. So it is all about our body. We don't get infected with everything. So how we need to actually heal the body is we already have the healing ability. So even without doing anything, a wound will heal, but it might heal just later rather than earlier. 
through homeopathy, what we would do is we would just help the healing force heal quicker rather than later. And Samia, so you, yes. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, even just to hear you talk about that you did, you know, cesarean section with no antibiotics and no pancos, you are a rock star. I got to tell you that right now. I mean, that's amazing. So I have a, not so similar, but I'm rocking a little cold right now. And I'd like to know, can you recommend anything homeopathically so that I could kick this cold out? Like, uh, is there anything that you would suggest? Yes. So thank you for that. Yes, it's actually possible. Um, You know, what I did was not really that uncommon. A lot of people who actually trust and know homeopathy do this on an ongoing basis. But uh, can I ask you more about your cold? In homeopathy, it's all about what the symptoms are, because within a cold, there could be, you know, 100 different variants of symptoms. So can you tell me what your symptoms are and I can suggest something? Uh, Yes, I have a a stuffy nose and sometimes it runs and sometimes it gets stuffed and a little congestion has just started to travel down my throat and into my upper chest. How long has it been since you started having the symptoms? Uh, It started, um, I want to say Monday. Okay, Thursday. Okay. Yeah, it hasn't gotten worse. It just, it hasn't resolved completely. Do you have any cough at all? Yeah, I have a little cough. Okay. And uh, is the cough productive or dry? Um, it's productive and there's no, like it's not green or yellow. What color is the discharge? It's, a, it's like a clear and then a little white. Okay. And uh, is there any tickling in your throat before you start coughing? A little tickling, yeah. Okay. And is there any pain in your throat? No. Any headaches? No. Is the nose block alternating between the nostrils? Yes. Okay. All right. So remedy of choice here would be arsenicum iodatum, a homeopathic version of it. I'm writing it down right now. You just saved my whole nostrils. (laughs) (laughs) Arsenicum? (laughs) Iodatum. Okay. Fantastic. I'll send you a a check in the morning. (laughs) How can others get in touch with you to learn more about this amazing work that you do? Um, You could go to our website. We actually have two offices, one in Las Vegas and one in Frisco, Dallas. And either you can go to lasvegashomeopathy.com or hygiahomeopathy.com. It's H-Y-G-I-E-I-A homeopathy.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, such a pleasure. And we're learning. We've learned quite a bit, girls, haven't we, today? Lots of really awesome. So you guys have a happy holidays and a happy new year. Oh, uh, thank you. Same to you. Thanks. So, Andrea and Michelle, what are your big takeaways from today? Well, I really liked what um, Dr. Dodik was saying about stackable triggers. I think as health coaches, that's a lot of what we work on with people. So, like, you know, I don't know what everybody's triggers are, but I can bet that you've been, you know, if you've been eating out, if you've been drinking a lot, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're not drinking enough water, you're more primed for a migraine than somebody who is eating a lot of home cooked food. Um, and, and I think that, you know, and then stress, of course, fitting into that stack. So it's interesting, like, we can get really down to like the molecular level and the genetics and the this and the that but almost the same steps that heal anybody from anything are going to help people have fewer migraines. Would, would you guys agree with that? 
Yeah, and also when the doctor was talking about all the different uh, triggers for the migraines, a lot of them were foods, uh, and I was thinking about, okay, the liver is responsible for the metabolism of all these foods and the processes and all that stuff, and then it was the hormones thing, and again, liver is responsible for that. So uh, it brings me back to ancient medicine, you know, like the thousands of years ago, they would connect what was happening here in the head with what was going on in the liver and in the digestive system. So, you know, I, I always find it fascinating that modern medicine, it's almost like it confirms what they knew thousands of years ago without all of the, um, I don't know, what is it, microscopes and, and all the little intricate details and all that stuff. So I think that, that there's a lot that we can do to uh, relieve migraines and also to relieve a cold. Thank you, to Salma. I'm going to go get my arsenicum iodatum 30Cs. I'm going to go out right now as soon as we finish this show and go get it. <laughs> yeah, I, Andrea, you once said something a long time ago, like everything is your body's way of telling you that it's out of whack. And this too, it sounds like whether it's stress, environmental food, something's not working for you. We just have to keep paying attention to what's going on. So I thought that was quite fascinating today. I do want to thank our sponsor, Zoller, once again, for their vitamin D3 and give you their website, www.zollerd3.com, and give you the coupon code hvrzd 335 Thank you for joining us today. We'd love for you to check us out at HealthyViewRadio.com and head over to iTunes and please give us a five-star review. We've got to start building up that audience. So let everyone you know about know about our show and we will be back again next week. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy View Radio. Please join Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fennighouse again for another fun and insightful edition of our show. We're live again next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you soon.